Blog Talk Radio. Sam Scola, and we will make it happen. 
Let me know if you're interested in signing him. In the meantime, we're going to go ahead and get the show started right after the Chef G's Florida Barbershop song by Sam Scola. Counting for variety, Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce, a natural flavor. Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce, Florida gold honey mustard on burgers and ribs. Tasty fusion on pork and sausage. Classic taste for chicken steak tips. A hot heat wave on meatballs and ham. It's a cookout treat. Chef cheese, Florida barbecue sauce. Serve on fish and vegetables. Chef cheese, Florida barbecue sauce. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce Yes Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, so delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. Again, that website address is flbbqsauce.com, flbbqsauce.com. A lot of great things to discuss. Definitely want to do that for you. Before we officially get kick-started on everything, we did want to start the show by paying tribute to a couple of legends that unfortunately passed this week, and that was first... uh, Major League pitcher, Tim Wakefield. And I definitely got to say, this this gentleman was really revered and loved by his teammates. I saw a great couple of great posts by Johnny Damon. He actually posted two things about the passing of his teammate and, and very good friend, Tim Wakefield. It was really touching. And you could just tell how much someone is missed really by just hearing the sorrow from others. And that was unfortunate case with Johnny Damon. He really was uh, really disturbed. So want to pay our respects to the great knuckleballer, Tim Wakefield. And also another unfortunate passing that happened this week was NFL hall of famer linebacker, Dick Buskis. Uh, definitely a w- wonderful ambassador of football and the sport played a, a position that is, is basically the quarterback on the defense. And not only that, he, he did such great things as far as acting, was a definitely a, a great down-to-earth gentleman and a person who really said their sentimental farewell was former President Barack Obama. Check that out. And you can see that in some of those remarks on TMZ. But definitely two legends that are no longer with us. That's linebacker Dick Buckus, major league pitcher Tim Wakefield. As we do with our show, we pay tribute to those who have passed, unfortunately, in the sports world by a moment of silence. So we're going to begin with a moment of silence, and we'll come back to get the show started 
Again, this moment of silence for Dick Buckus and Tim Wakefield. Thank you for that moment of silence. We're going to go ahead and get the show started by bringing on one of our fantastic callers. We'll do that right now. Hey, how you doing so far tonight, Lou? All right, Alan. Thanks. Yeah, you what are a horrible weekend. All right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. I know it's been a real tough week. But definitely yeah. Yeah. for you um, personally, what's going on? Well, I'm just making reference, of course, in the sports world. We lost two, uh, two real legends. But um, I wasn't too thrilled about what uh, former teammate Kurt Schilling had to say because, you know, I mean, in the family requested, you know, a privacy, and he had to just butt in on, on a radio show and saying about it. I mean, that wasn't very, you know, that wasn't the right thing to do. You know, Schilling, well, he has, he's been a problem, of course, but I think he went over the line. Yeah, that's the thing about Schilling, man. You know what? Schilling, I feel, would be in the Hall of Fame if he would just yeah. learn how to curb his opinions. You know, in life, sometimes everyone's going to have opinion, and you have to be smart enough and adult enough when it's best just to keep your opinion to yourself. And I don't think he – I think that day that they taught that in school, Kurt Schilling missed that whole week because I, I just don't oh, feel yeah. as if – he he understands that, like, okay, not everybody needs to hear your opinion, and you don't have to voice your opinion all the time. Well, what exactly did he say? I didn't catch this one. Well, um, trying to find the, uh, the comments, but he did he did say some things about you know his um, his condition, and his family told him to keep a, his family said to keep it private, but he went out and did it anyway. Yeah, I mean that's a perfect example. Sure, was, was always a jerk anyway. You know what? And I, I hate to disagree with you on that, but I don't. I don't disagree because the thing about it is, but. yeah, man. Sometimes you just, especially when it comes to somebody passing, if the family requested you to keep it private, keep it private. I mean, keep it yeah. private. You don't have to broadcast what his sickness was. You know, we kind of knew there was something going on with him. It, it wasn't like private as far as everybody. We, people kind of knew what was going on, but you don't need to talk about it. The family requests to keep it private, keep it private. Talk about some good positive memories you have of Tim Wakefield. Talk about him as a person. Yeah. You know, like with Johnny Damon, props to Johnny Damon because I love what he did. He put up not just one post, he put up two posts of Tim Wakefield showing and saying that he feels as if it's not real. And you could tell. Okay. Here's, here's, here's how it went. Here's how it went. Feeling discussed the illness on a podcast uh, a week and a half ago um, without Wakefield's consent. The Red Sox confirmed the illness at a time, but not elaborate uh, saying that Wakefield requested privacy. So that's, that's how that went. So, you know, he was just showing his big mouth. Yep. And I, you know, some people, people like, unfortunately, like Kurt Schilling, they never get it. They go through life. Things don't go their way. They have a strong opinion about something and they always find out, he, that person was wrong. And I'm, I'm playing the fault of it. No, it's not that you don't, it's not that you are not entitled to your opinion, but sometimes you got to keep your opinions to yourself. Like, 
Yeah. And sometimes it's just a time and a place for, to give your opinion. When it comes to something like your teammate passing, if somebody you care about and their family is telling you to keep it, keep it quiet, you should respect that and keep it quiet and talk about Tim Wakefield as a person. You know, I could tell without him going into details about what his sickness was, I could tell Johnny Damon was, was bothered by his passing. Yeah. yeah. And let it be known, I'm glad you brought this up, Lou, that Kurt Schilling, in my opinion, would be without a doubt in the Hall of Fame if he would play, would have played his cards more politically correct. Yes. You know, nobody likes to play the politics game, but sometimes in life you have to play your politics. No. You have to. Like if I want yeah. to get something done and, and I may not like someone or may not be a fan of theirs, I still got to be able to talk to them in a nice, calm way or at least get them to think that I like them for me to get things done. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, but Tim Wakefield, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, unfortunately, regardless of what you have, whether it's this or that, disease or, or whatever, unfortunately, at some point, we all have to go. So you don't have to broadcast that to make that the yeah. highlight. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I unfortunately, one one huge thing that went this week was on Wednesday. It was my birthday. So I wanted to thank all the people that gave me a, a birthday wish and wishes. Yeah, I I thanked most of people. I didn't get a chance to thank everybody. Oh yeah. But I will respond to everybody if I haven't already. You know, I I basically yeah. did everybody on Facebook. There was there was a lot of people on LinkedIn that wished me a happy birthday, and I didn't get a chance. The reason why I bring this up is because at my age, you know, I'm not older than Tim Wakefield, but I will say. Every birthday, I get a sense of pride and happiness because I look back and reflect of the people that yeah. didn't make it to the age that I am. You understand? There are people that are older than me that I know. Right. There is people that did not make it to my age, and they were good people. Some some of them were great people. So yeah. the point is we all, unfortunately, have our day where we pass. You don't have to make the, the actual reason that we pass the priority. Talk about the person. Wow. Let people know what type of person is they were. How did they impact you? But yeah, you know, to your point, two great legends that are lost. Dip Bucket. Yeah. I mean, his yeah, personality, his personality, TV. You know, yeah. acting. It's sad, you know. And, yeah. and if yeah, and for and people the who did this. Yeah, the baseball playoffs are underway. All game, all division uh, walk arounds were sweeps. I didn't even saw last year. So now, uh, up to the division round, and uh, maybe Atlanta can um, you know escape up what happened last year when they choked against the Phillies. I agree. And my question to you is this: Do you like the two game best of three elimination? Go back to one. We don't need to keep the season going into early November. 
I mean, so at least some of the games were shorter this year. You know, I mean, I mean, there was no game that went above three hours in this series so far. So maybe that's a good trend as well. Yeah, I think that's a good trend. I didn't, I didn't mind the best of three series. You know, and and I, I do like that trend, man. I gotta say, I like the bigger base too. I like the fact that there is yep. more room. You know, where you're not you're not a little bit less risk of an injury. I like that too. I yep. you know, it just goes to show you sometimes you got to change some rules and see how it plays itself out, and then formulate an opinion. Exactly. Sometimes you just gotta you gotta play it out, see how it works. Right. Yeah, now one game but, uh, went three hours in, in his first round, so that, that was a good thing. Yeah, and even the games that I've been through myself, it definitely yeah, feels yeah, as yeah. if the games move quicker along. I will give baseball credit. It does feel as if the games move quicker yeah. along. You don't have as much dead time. So if you go and get something at a concession yeah. stand and come back, you're going to miss a good part of the – I mean, you're going to miss a decent part of the action. Yeah. Whereas before, you go to concession and be back, they might have gotten through one extra batter, one batter, maybe two. Yeah. But now you might come back. Or they keep hitting foul balls. Exactly. Or or you might come back now and they might go up two or three runs by the time you get back. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely different. I love it. Yeah. Oh, and I wanted to get your take on this. Yeah, I definitely wanted to get your take on this since it was a it was a big game. What are your thoughts on first Zach Wilson's performance against the Chiefs? He did better than at first than um, the, in the previous uh, two games, but still it came up short. I think that was going to be even better this year because you know, I mean this game because you are going against Denver and Denver doesn't have any defense whatsoever. So this might be a great advantage for Wilson and the Jets. Yeah, I definitely feel as if Zach Wilson played pretty good. I mean, I know he had that fumble, but that that can I can't really blame him too much on that because that can happen to anyone. A handoff fumble, you know, sometimes guys snap it too high. Sometimes it's just a bad trans, you know, trans transaction between the two. It happens. But I thought overall Zach Wilson played very good. I thought he definitely outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Mahomes actually had an uncharacteristic poor game. I mean, I'll go into that a bit more, but I also wanted to get your thoughts on, I got to ask, yes. Taylor Swift and Kelsey on that part, on how much the coverage is with the NFL. Uh, I think a little bit overboard with that. I mean, you're supposed to be you know, concentrating on the game itself, not somebody's love story. I mean, for all we know, this could be another <laughs> – uh, Carrie Underwood and uh, Tony Romo. Do we really want to see part two of that? Uh, no. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, yes, okay, you, you reported it. We already know they're dating. This is the second game she's been at. Okay, show that she's there. Show that, you know, who she's with in the suite and kind of keep it Can't moving. Can't you just shake it off? Can't you just shake it off? Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yo, like you know she said. Come on. <laughs> like she said, it's delicate. <laughs> That's a song name, delicate. And yeah, with no, Travis Kelsey, <laughs> you know, and in that song, there's a quote in that song. 
is it chill that you're in my head? Well, she's in everybody's head now when you watch an NFL game because you can't, they don't talk about anything else. (laughs) Yeah. But I will say this much about, about Taylor Swift. Like her or loathe her, the girl is a marketing genius. I mean, she is approaching a billion dollars and it's well-deserved. She sells out every single show and then some. So I got to give her utmost credit, whether you're a fan of hers or not. Somebody had said something to me during the week, and it reminded me about something I said to the same person, not the same person, but the same conversation I had with someone else. And I would tell them the same thing I told this person. I know that they are not a Swifty or what have you, but at the end of the day, I don't think Taylor Swift cares. The girl's approaching almost a billion dollars. She's mega successful, and I will say this much. I hope it does work out with Travis because I I sincerely doubt he's going to find another person to date that is more successful than Taylor Swift. I'll Mm -hmm. just say it is that. Having said that, I know you got a great show tomorrow. You got a lot of great things cooking. What are we expecting to hear from you tomorrow on the Enhanced Sports Show? Well, we got, of course, the uh, baseball players in the division round. Yeah, that matchup is all said. Uh, of course, the college and pro football uh, predictions um, also be great. Uh, taking um, comments on grading your NFL teams now that we're in the first quarter of the season that's now uh, completed or will be. Um, NHL and NBA preseason. Uh, and uh, yeah, if we got time, we'll cover the uh, <laughs> recap the Ryder Cup. Oh boy. Of course, we'll also have your thoughts and, yeah, thoughts and comments on uh, the Ridiculous Man of the Week, which I think I just mentioned right there, their pathetic performance. Uh, um, sports trivia this week in sports history, and the Feel Good Story of the Week, which was not the uh, Ryder Cup. Oh, boy. So if you got time, uh, call the show from 4 to 6. Number is 512-543-4662. Again, 512-543-4662. And don't forget, we're on YouTube. Uh, just go to YouTube and type in the Enhanced Sports Show, and you'll see the show in its entirety. Hopefully, I can get this little bug system out, and I can hear my and I can hear all the callers when I put back the video. I'm still working on that, though. Yes, folks, make sure you tune in from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone, the Enhanced Sports Show. You can reach them on YouTube. Just type in Enhanced Sports Show. Or you can call in between 4 and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone at 512-543-4662. Again, it's 512-543-4662, the Enhanced Sports Show. I'm going to do my very best to call in, too. More than likely, though, Lou, I will be on the road when I call you. I'll tell the listening audience a lot going on tomorrow. But, yes, definitely make sure you guys call in to Lou tomorrow. All right. Yes, the Enhanced Sports Show, oh, 4 yeah, to 6, Eastern Standard Time Zone. You're more than welcome. Really appreciate you, Lou. You're number one. Thanks. You're the best. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for calling. Okay. Get out of here. Okay. Yes, that's Lou, the Enhanced Sports Show. Make sure you guys call in, 516-418-5572. I'm sorry, that's our show, 516 418 516-418-5572 is our number. 
and Lou is 5-4-5-1-2-5-4-3-4-6-6-2. So yes, a lot going on. And I'll tell you guys a lot of stuff going on tomorrow for me. I'll bring you up to speed in that in a few moments. Did want to let you know about the rest of the NFL world and news. The Commanders game that was last night against the Chicago Bears. Man, DJ, my man, DJ was on point. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where he would just ball in and they couldn't, they couldn't stop him. And a lot of time when you try to cut off a route, let's say cut off a pass and you jump the route and you miss the ball. Unfortunately, when you don't have safety help, that guy is going to take it to the house. And that's exactly what DJ Moore did. He did it a couple of times. The guy tried to jump the route and, and intercept the ball and he missed it. Just barely missed it. Props to, you know, Justin, Justin Fields for, for getting over their head a bit and he took it to the house. So DJ Moore, and yes, folks, I did start DJ Moore on my fantasy team. I did. I did start him. He balled out big time. He got. He gave me a BOGO, two-for-one special. And the crazy thing about that is I was thinking about I was thinking about sitting him, not because he's not a baller, but because the commanders did play the Eagles really well. And I was thinking that, it was going to be tough for, for Justin Fields to kind of get the ball to him. But no, he got up to him. My man, <laughs> check the stat line out. Eight catches, just eight catches, 230 yards and three touchdowns. That is a boss game. That is boss. That is mega boss. My son's, I call my son AJ, AJ, and I'm facing my son in one of my leagues in fantasy, and I kept saying to him, hey, man, I'm going to call you DJ because <laughs> he was balling. But, yes, it's not surprising. Magic Johnson, who is one of the owners now of the Commanders, was not too happy about the Commanders' performance. And, unfortunately, this is what you're going to get when you don't have a solid offensive line and a quarterback who's who's back there pressing. And I hate to say it, but Howell's back there pressing. You know, he's he's trying to make things happen. And when you press in football, it usually leads to a lot of picks. And that's that's what happened. You know, Sam Howell has just been you know trying to do, him, but I see him pressing. And he when you press, you usually make bad decisions, and bad decisions lead to picks. And that's what happened. I will say, though, that the commanders did play very uninspired football the first half. It seemed like whatever they said in the halftime, they came back rejuvenated and did a lot better, but it was too little too late. So I agree with Magic Johnson's assessment that they were lackluster. And yes, you may not have the best talent, but effort. You got to give effort. And, you know, it's just like they said. Like Derek Jeter said, someone might have more talent than you, but there's no excuse for them to outwork you. And that's what, what happened to Chicago and Justin Fields getting their first win in, in the last 11 games. 
Yeah, that's props. You know, definitely they finally broke the snide and and got a win. And I I did pick the Bears to win that game because of the fact that I felt as if their time was there. Their time was there. Meaning, you know, you could keep kick kick someone down many times, but eventually they're gonna get up. And I felt like the Bears they didn't play a complete game. I felt like this was an opportunity for them to do it on Thursday night football. And they did. And, you know, definitely props to them. Another thing that did happen this week that was like, kind of like last minute was that, you know, I got to give Shannon Sharp and Marshawn Lynch credit. They did a, an outstanding interview on club Shay Shay. That's club Shay Shay. For those who don't know, it's Shannon Sharp's show. And I just love the, the, Honesty, just the, you know, just the forthrightness of of Marshawn Lynch. I gotta respect him. A man's, my man keeps it real, and and you know he keeps it real. But at the same token, he, you know, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. He not only does he keep it real, but he understands that his voice matters. So he doesn't want to come across as a hater or try to take a snide against someone. You know, he's a real true teammate. And basically with this story with Marshawn Lynch, he kind of confirmed my suspicion, you know, just listen to him intently. He confirmed my suspicion of what I thought watching the Super Bowl live. And that is they meaning the Seahawks offensive coordinator, the coach, probably even the league, but I would say definitely the team, the Seattle Seahawks team, at least upper management, wanted Russ to be successful so much so that I feel as if, without saying it, I can read between the lines, that they wanted Russ to get the MVP. That's as clear as day. Because let me explain this to you folks. And I said it, when this happened years ago, so this is not anything new. I mean, I'm going to tell you some stuff that is new, but this part isn't new. If Marshawn Lynch scores that touchdown, on the, it was actually not on the one-yard line. It was like the one-and-a-half, almost two-yard two line. You know, debatable, but I think it was about the one-and-a-half. He scores that touchdown, whether it's on the one, one-and-a-half, or two-yard line. He gets the MVP. It's a slam dunk. Up until that point of him, before he got that that play, Marshawn Lynch had about almost 50 yards passing, over 100 yards on the ground, and he already scored a touchdown. Russell Wilson that day had an okay day. He didn't have a bad game. He didn't have a great game. He had an okay game. Marshawn Lynch was having a baller game. And if he scores that touchdown... It's almost like DJ Moore. He was the star of the show. Like it's if you give that MVP to anyone other than Marshawn Lynch, if they score that touchdown, then I feel as if there was going to be an uproar. That's how much you would have robbed him. They wanted Russell to get the MVP, and that's why they called that. I wouldn't even say bad play. I would say bush league, idiotic play. And even Marshawn Lynch and Shannon Sharp said it. It doesn't make any sense to call a pass, a slant, by the one-yard line when you have two timeouts, 26 seconds. You have the 
number one back in the league at that time, Marshawn Lynch. It wasn't even debatable. Like in, in today's game, nowadays, you can kind of make the argument. It might be this guy, it might be that guy or that one. I would say there's about three guys that you can kind of throw in a mix. That time when Marshawn Lynch was balling, there was no – the next guy was a far distant second. Marshawn Lynch was the best running back in the game, hands down, hands down. And the play before, he got about five or six yards. And I said it back then, I say it today, you have to give Marshawn Lynch the opportunity to score that touchdown. That is the football play. Anything other than that, I don't care if you throw it to him in a flap. I don't care if you lateral to him. Anything other than just handing him off the ball to the right side or the left side is a mistake. And basically reading between the lines of what Marshall Lynch was saying, they wanted to give Russ the MVP. It's clear. You know, they didn't want Marshawn to get up on the stage and just repeat, I'm only here because I didn't get fined. You know what I'm saying? They didn't want to give it. They didn't want him to get the MVP. And the thing about that situation that made it kind of as bad as it was is we heard rumblings a little bit, but nothing was as obvious and glaring as it was when that play happened. And Russell described, I mean, uh, Marshawn described the relationship with Russell Wilson, his quarterback, and he gave us kind of like behind the scenes of what was really going on, everything. And I will say this much. I will say there was fault, in my opinion, on both sides. Thought were Russ. Russell Wilson fault as a leader during the Seahawks reign was he separated himself from the pack. He separated himself from the pack. And as a leader, you have to be conscious of that. You have to understand that, hey, I don't want the guys that I'm leading to think I'm all of that and think it's me and then them. And Russell Wilson, based on all the evidence, not just what Marshawn said, based on all the evidence of what I've gathered, it was Russell and everyone else. Calling for block numbers, having your own desk. It's me, you, his social media team, would which tries to make him look like, you know, this larger-than-life figure playing baseball. I blame, well, I should even say football and baseball because he, he, he was going to play baseball. But, yeah, you have to make it upon yourself to humble yourself. You have it's, – it's, it's something you have to work on. But I'll even use, you know, you, he's a man of faith. You know, not going into too much religion, but I'll just say this much. Jesus even washed his own disciples' feet to show humility and the fact that he did not want them, even though they worshipped him, not just liked him. They worshipped him. He did not want them thinking that he was above them in any way, shape, or form. And you could see this is an issue, not just with the Seahawks, but you see this is an issue with the Broncos where Russ is trying to carry himself like a superstar and I'm up here on this pedestal. You guys are down here and you could see that dynamic reared his ugly head at the worst opportune time during the Super Bowl. So that is poor leadership skills. That is just not being a great teammate. You got to go ahead and play cards with the guys. 
Talk to them. Mingle with them. Hey, you know, what's going on with you? Show up to one of the events or something. You cannot get people thinking that you're up here and they're down here. You know, block numbers and all that, that's setting up a barrier between you. So that's a fault on Russell and his leadership skills. And also, you would even say his personal, like, behavior. The other part to that where I would say it was also fault on the other side was the guys on the Seahawks should not have let that dynamic bother them to the point it did. That is showing a little bit of insecurity, and it's really kind of – it's really not entirely fair. Yes, it shows that there was preferential treatment. I get it. But with all due respect, there can only be one quarterback on a team. The quarterback on the team is the general of the team. He's the guy who's running the show. And usually when it comes to coaches, whether you like it or not, in an NFL team or not even an NFL team, but in football dynamic, the coach is going to cater to the quarterback. Because the way I look at it as a team, when it comes to quarterback, coaches, and the dynamic of a football team, if you are not cool with, let's say you're the coach and you're not cool with your running back, you're not cool with a wide receiver, a linebacker, a safety or corner, somebody playing the line, well, guess what? You can kind of be like the transformer ship flying in the air and guys are fighting, but you're still going places. You know, it might be a bumpy ride, but you're still able to move and navigate even if one of those guys are not vibing with you. When you don't get along with your quarterback as a coach or an offensive coordinator, it's like getting in the boat with the Titanic. And like the guy said in the Titanic, it is a mathematical certainty that this ship is going to sink. When you don't get along with your quarterback, it is a mathematical certainty the ship will sink. You understand what I'm saying? There's a big difference between somebody not vibing with you to a quarterback, I mean, your running back, your wide receiver, some other positional player than your quarterback. You're a quarterback and you are not getting along your, sink, your, your ship is sinking. You might as well just say it's at the bottom of the ocean right now, even when it's on top. So the guys on the team should have understood that dynamic and just should have just played their game and not let it bother them to the point where this is like some e, some Caesar, E2 Brute type stuff, like where it, they let jealousy and envy get to the best of them that it, oh, it consumed them. And I'm talking about all the guys on that team. You let it get it to your head too much where it bothered you to the point where this, to me, that play turned the Legion of Doom, a Legion of Boom into the Legion of Doom. It just killed everything. Think about what could have happened if you guys win that Super Bowl. Marshawn Lynch gets the MVP. Russell Wilson and everybody on the team, two rings, you're one ring away from a dynasty. And as great as that Seahawks team was, I don't see why you don't get a third one. I agree with, with Marshawn. Let's just see how it goes. I think if they bring back 80, not even 100% of the team, let's say 80, 85% of that team back, everybody comes back healthy, I think you get, I get, think you get three rings. That, that, 
the Legion of Boom went to the Legion of Doom on that one play. It just changed everybody's career from that point. So I think in synopsis, there was fault on Russell, his leadership, and also as a man and a person who carries himself, his character, there was fault on that, but there also was fault on the guys for being a bit insecure and letting that dynamic of favoritism consume them so much. It's a quarterback. Unfortunately, you're going to be a cut above everyone. I mean, he shouldn't act that way. I get it. That's what I'm saying. And he should make it his effort to be cool with everybody. But at the same token, you got to understand when you're on a team, if the coach is, is catering to the quarterback, that's the way it goes on, on a football team. It's going to be like that. You know, the coach, again, the Titanic, your ship is going to sink. So those are my thoughts on the Marshawn Lynch interview. It's unfortunate because I really still feel, just like Marshawn said in the interview, they should have gave him the ball. I mean, that is, I agree, that is the worst call, Bush League call in Super Bowl history. One of the greatest calls I would say in Super Bowl history, though, was the Philly special. Let me just tell you that. That was an awesome call. And that, to me, was one of the greatest calls, one of the worst calls, if not the worst call. I don't see it. It's going to be hard for someone to top that, was that Seahawks play. Having said that, I'm going to go ahead and talk about, are the games overseas good for the NFL? It's it's probably good for the NFL as a whole, nationwide. Guys get a chance to see the game in London. But us fans here back home, I don't feel as if it's the best thing because the game is so early. It's 9.30 in the morning, and on the on a Sunday, that's that's just tough to watch, wake up that early. But it's good for the game. So, I, yes, I would say overseas games are cool. And having said that, I'm going to go ahead and give you my predictions for this week. I'll go through those with you right now. And we'll go through, yes, so having said that, there is a game this weekend in London, so set your clocks early, and let's go through this. So I did say the Bears are going to win, they did, so we have the Bills versus the Jags, that is that early game in London, 9.30 a.m., you know, I I have the Bills winning this game, I, I think the Bills are going to come there and do big things, and they they've shown that they uh they can play on the road. I, I think um it should be exciting for them, but I do think I think the Jags are gonna make this a game because they've stayed in London for a week now. That kind of gives them a little bit of home field advantage, if you would say, because they've been hanging out, whereas the Bills are coming in. So I got the Bills winning. We have the Saints and the Patriots. These are two teams that are just don't know what what to do. But I, wow, as bad as the Patriots looked against the the Cowboys, I'm going to go on a limb and say the Saints are going to win this game. And we have the Titans versus the Colts. It's going to be a very, very good game. I got the Titans winning in that game. It's going to be close, though. Very close game. We have the Ravens versus Steelers. 
I, I think this is going to be a, a close close game too, but I do have the Ravens winning. I, just the Steelers, they seem to step up their defense against better competition. So I, I think the Steelers are going to be tough, but I do think the Ravens will find a way to pull it out. We have the Panthers versus the Lions. I got the Lions winning this game. Lions actually doing very good this year. We have the Texans and the Falcons. I have the Texans winning. I have the Texans, Texans winning. And then we have the Giants versus the Dolphins. Need I say more, the Dolphins are going to win this game. We have the Bengals and the Cardinals. Cardinals have been playing late as a recent, but I feel as if the Bengals are going to pull this game out. I feel like they're slowly but surely getting back their stride. I feel that the Bengals are going to win. We have the Eagles and the Rams. It's going to be a very good game, but I have the Eagles winning that game. And we have the Jets versus the Broncos. This is going to be a good game. I actually do have the Broncos winning. I just feel as if that win against the Bears picked up their momentum and confidence, especially coming back. I just feel as if Zach Wilson is not there just yet. I do like what I've been seeing. He is going to be kind of like a project where you're going to have to take your time and kind of boost him up. But I just don't think against the Broncos, even though I do think the Jets could win this game, I just don't feel as if Zach Wilson is going to play a very, very good game from start to finish without making one or two mistakes. I do feel as if he'll make one or two mistakes and I feel as if since the Broncos are hungry and they got the confidence, I feel as if those two mistakes, they're going to capitalize on and win the game. We have the Chiefs versus the, the Vikings. That's going to be a very, very good game, but I do have the Chiefs winning. Although I do feel as if Patrick Mahomes, I don't know if he was nervous because of Taylor Swift in the building, if he was trying to do too much, but that was very un-Patrick Mahomes-like, but I think he gets it back. And he beats the Vikings. We have the Cowboys and the 49ers. That is going to be a mega game. That's a Sunday night game, too. That's going to be awesome to watch. Man, that's going to be a great game. I have the 49ers winning. I just think that the 49ers, I trust them a bit more in bigger games. Not that the Cowboys are not very, very good. They definitely look great against the Patriots, but I don't think the Patriots are the, the 49ers. So I have the 49ers winning. Then we have the Packers versus the Raiders. That should be an interesting game to say the least. I have the Packers winning that game. I just feel as if the Raiders, I mean, if you shut down Devontae Adams and you stop their running back, I think you have a very good shot of winning. So I think the Green Bay Packers win. It's going to be a great weekend of football. Teams are really starting to get into form. It should be really awesome to hear and see. So I will keep you up to date on that. And then we're going to continue on with some more, more great things. There's going to be Colorado versus USC. That's going to be, now we're going to switch gears and talk NCAA. Colorado did lose to USC, but folks, I will say this much. 
I don't feel as if there was a big gap in talent between USC and Colorado. I really don't. I really don't. There was a lot closer matchup in talent when Colorado played USC than when Colorado played Oregon. I feel as if with USC, the reason why they lost that game was not because of talent. Like there was so much talent on USC. This is not the Reggie Bush or Mark or Matt Leinart or Lionheart, as as one of the teammates would say. But I feel as if the talent was, was about the same. The reason why Colorado, in my opinion, lost the game last weekend is really because of clock poor clock management. They were running the ball, I felt, too much in the fourth quarter. When you are down by two scores in the fourth quarter, you do – you don't want to abandon the run game, but you don't want to use the run game so much. You're going to have to maybe run maybe one down and pass it the other two. You have to play with a sense of urgency. They were running the ball, kind of getting up to line like there was no sense of urgency. You were down by two scores at this point. You have to play with a sense of urgency and pass the ball more frequently. You basically ran your, the timeout on yourself, and I felt – even watching this game when I was it was unfolding, I said it early in the fourth quarter, you're running the ball too much and you're not getting up to the line quick enough and getting the play out quick enough. They were huddling up, you're burning too much clock, you're behind by two scores. This is a coaching issue, I felt like, an execution issue. Get the play and run the offense more efficiently. I felt as if, if they were running more of a two-minute a two-minute drill, they would have probably had enough time to come back to win this game. And Caleb Williams, who is the quarterback of the USC, I thought he was he, – he played a, a good game, a very good game maybe, but I felt as if he left a, a lot of plays out there. You know, he missed the guy that was wide open early in the game. He overthrew someone else, and it just – I felt as if he wasn't as sharp. And he did play a good game at points and very good at some other points. But overall, I think Colorado is going to do something special over the next couple of years. I really do. Because I feel as if they should have won that game against USC. And they didn't even have Travis Hunter, their number one receiver. So very good effort, though, by Colorado. Like I did mention to one of our great callers who called in about the game last weekend. I did feel as if the Oregon versus USC game was going to, I'm sorry, the Colorado versus USC game was going to be a lot closer than when Colorado played Oregon, and it was. So just be a little patient with Colorado. They're going to do some great things. They got a game this weekend against Lake Forest. I do have them winning against Lake Forest, so they're going to end the two-game slide and get a win. So it'll be 4-2 and two with that win. Overall, still a very, very awesome start. I do predict Colorado to beat and win against Lake Forest. And so the breakdown of the loss for the USC was basically clock management, poor clock management, run more of an offense that is with the sense of urgency. So what we're going to do is take a little break here on the Allen Alfred Sports Hook Show. We'll play a great theme song by the one and great Sam Scola. Sam Scola out of Maine. If you missed the beginning of the show, make sure you reach out to me here at the Allen Alfred Sports Talk show, and I'll put you in contact with Sam Scola. 
we need to sign that, sign him a deal. I want to thank Sam Scola and his beautiful wife, Mary. We're going to take a little break. We're not going anywhere. We're going to, I'm going to be right back here on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. We'll update you on the XFL-USFL merger, give you some upcoming news on that, discuss a unique opportunity. I'll recap the Major League playoffs, discuss the Rays struggling to get fan support on home games. I'll answer the question, what can they do to increase fans and solve attendance issues? I'll definitely discuss boxing, give you the breakdown of Shallow versus Canelo. And who should each one of them fight next? That, plus Terrence Crawford, who should he fight next? That and much, much more on the Allen Alfred Sports Hook Show. This is a sports-themed song by Sam Scola. We're going to be right back here on the Allen Alfred Sports Hook Show. Sam Scola for the sports theme song. Sam Scola out of Maine, folks. Really appreciate him here on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. Appreciate Sam Scola and his wife, Mary. So I'm going to update you on the XFL and USFL merger. And I'm also share you an insight on upcoming news and discuss a unique opportunity. Let me discuss the opportunity first. And the opportunity that was unique and was really cool was actually given to Colin Kaepernick. It was, it was basically came to light through social media, of course, of like most things, that The Rock indeed did offer Colin Kaepernick and his agent an opportunity to play in the XFL. And 
from all accounts, Colin did not jump on this opportunity and declined it. And that is truly unfortunate because this is at the beginning of the XFL coming back and he could have actually played this season with the XFL with, with, Hey, he could have played on any one of the teams perhaps, but this is a missed opportunity with Colin Kaepernick. And I think he should have taken this opportunity. I really do because look, it's like this, you know, what I love what George Foreman did when he said he made, he took a long break in boxing when he retired is when he came back, he didn't say he wanted to fight the number one or number two guy where most people would. He said, I'm going to start at the bottom and work my way up. And that's what he did. He started at the bottom, got about 20 fights, worked his way back up, fought the number one guy, Michael Moore, and beat him for his story, historic championship. Colin Kaepernick, with all due respect, this was a golden opportunity for you. You would have been playing in the XFL Professional Football League with guys that, that can ball and got NFL talent. You have NFL coaches there. If you've shown that you could have played in that situation, yeah, I think NFL teams would have given you an opportunity. But the fact that when you take away all of the spectacle and all of the media attention, you put that on the shelf, you got to look at the facts. You haven't played professional football in seven years. It's like this. In any career situation, any career situation, I'll even use myself as an example. You know, I was a top-performing salesperson for many, many, many years. Number one in the company for many, many years. Knew the owner, knew the, the top executives, knew everybody. Okay? When I decided to retire, which is this March will make it four years, I'm not thinking about coming back there, so don't even don't even put that thought in your head. I know where people are going with this. Nope, the answer is no. But the reality is, if you decide to go back, you cannot expect the same situation that you just left. You just can't. From number one, the people who have been working there over the last few years don't know who you are and what's going on. Things have changed, procedures and just the, the game, things have changed. And you can't just expect, number one and last but not least, to get the same pay. It's just things are different. You have to kind of understand that. The main thing, though, is getting your foot in the door. And I, I'm telling you, having The Rock ask you to come in and play, you would have gotten an opportunity. And this is a situation where, you know, you, you're chasing waterfalls, you know, you're chasing waterfalls. You're, you're thinking that, okay, I'm going to keep my options open with the NFL because they might give me an opportunity to come back. Like Tony Robbins said, if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll always get what you've already gotten. In seven years, you haven't gotten that opportunity to get back in the league. Uh, you did, I, now I take that back, you did get an opportunity for the tryout that would have helped you get in the league, but you didn't take advantage of it. And that set you back. So this is a way for you to get back to show them you can play. People right now, regardless of everything, they're kind of, they don't know if you can still play. Speaking of that, 
We're going to go ahead and take a great caller here on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. How you doing so far tonight? Good. That's great. How you been, Diane? Oh, good. How are you, Alan? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. Really appreciate you calling in. I'm glad you did because I'm, I'm mm-hmm. curious. So first question is, do you think it's a good thing that the NFL is playing games in London? Yes. So you like the overseas games? Yes. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, you know, I definitely, I think it's really cool that they're doing that. It brings from a national standpoint an opportunity for somebody to watch some of the, the NFL games and maybe they'll bring more games over there. Yeah, they have a game for people in London to watch the NFL games. Yeah, it's true. You know, gives an opportunity to people in London. Hey, I've never been to London, but I would love to go. I'm not going to lie. Have you been to London? No. Yeah, that's a place we both need to go. I heard of great things about London. And speaking about mm-hmm. London, your Bills are playing in London against the Jaguars. Who do you think is going to win? My Bills. Yeah, I, I picked the Bills, too, to win. I think it's going to be a good game, though. I think the Jaguars are starting to get back to their old self, and I think they're going to do well. Do you think it's going to be a high-scoring game or low-scoring? Um, high. Yeah, I'm hoping it is high a high-scoring game, but I do think the Bills are going to pull it out. Bills are doing pretty good. And mm-hmm. do you think Colin Kaepernick should have played for the XFL? I don't think Colin Kaepernick should play football. I agree. You know, get get your workout in, get your get your reps in. But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, it's going to be a great weekend of of some great football games. I'm excited. Don't forget to set your clock early for Sunday because that's a 9:30 game in London. So make sure you don't forget to set your clock early. But, right. But yeah, I appreciate you calling in. It's always a pleasure to hear from you, Diane. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. Really appreciate you're you, welcome. Diane, on the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show. You have a great weekend, and I look forward to calling in tomorrow myself. All right. Have a great night. You too. Thank you. Bye now. You're welcome. Yeah, that's one of our fantastic callers here on the Alan Alfred Sports Talk Show. Really appreciate Diane and appreciate you guys listening. And you guys can voice your calls too at 516-518. I'm sorry, 516-418-5572. Again, it's 516-418-5572. Call in just like great Diane did. But yeah, I agree. I definitely, as I was saying, I definitely do think Colin should have taken that opportunity. You know, if anything, Yes, you're not going to get paid like you did in the NFL, but it's an audition for you to show people that you can still play. I'm telling you this much. Sometimes in life, you have to ball out and force people's hand. If you'd have balled out in the XFL, and this is from someone who covered the XFL, who, when I, let me just back up a little bit. When I started covering the XFL this past year with the new ownership of Dwayne Johnson 
and Danny Garcia and Redbird Capital, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how the talent was going to be. I didn't know how the game plan was going to be. I didn't know. And I wasn't coming in skeptical, like, okay, it's going to be trash. But I was like, let me just play it by ear and see how it is. Boy, I have to tell you, I was thoroughly impressed. For one, the talent is exceptional. It really is. They have NFL talent in the XFL. And that's not a joke. There's guys that are playing in the XFL right now that I feel are better than some of the guys on an NFL roster. And I kid you not. Sometimes the life is not what you know is who you know. And I'm telling you, you know, there's been guys, you know, receivers have been dropping balls like there's no tomorrow where guys in the XFL wouldn't do that because they're fighting. They're fighting for an opportunity. They're playing hungry. And, you know, it is, I was very impressed with the amount of talent. Number two, the gameplay, the way it actually played on TV. When you watch a game, I love the rules. It was, I went to the championship game. I went to the first press conference before the season started, all the way through to the championship game. And I'm telling you, it was an outstanding experience. I I, I do think in the long run, this merger is going to be great for spring football. But from a person who's covered the XFL for a whole year, I'm a, it's a bittersweet for me because I feel as if they had a great thing going. And then they had the second year. I would have loved to see how this thing played itself out. As Danny Garcia said, you know, sometimes you have to, to take a loss for three to five years. And, and that's usually what happens with most businesses. But I would have loved to see how this thing played itself out. Because I feel, in my personal opinion, no disrespect to the USFL, I feel as if the XFL had a far superior product. I feel as if this merger benefits the USFL much more than it does the XFL. Yes, it does benefit the XFL to some degree, but I and maybe spring football overall, but I feel I would have loved to see what the XFL could have done year two, three, or four. I really do. But it's neither here nor there. That's not going to be done. Back on Colin Kaepernick, I do feel as if that was a blown opportunity. You know, like, come on, man. You, you can't just expect you, even a practice squad, because, you know, think about, we talked about Zach Wilson early in the broadcast. How much pressure would you put on Zach Wilson if you came in and was on a practice squad? Think about that. The kid has already got shaken, like, confidence. He, you might as well just got rid of Zach Wilson at that point. But I just feel as if sometimes you got to crawl before you can walk. And if you show guys you can play in the XFL, which is not an easy league, I'm telling you right now, it's not a pushover of a league, you, your stock would have went to the sky. It, plus, and also, let me just say a side point. If you'd have shown you the ball out, plus said the right things, playing, I think you would have had not just an offer from the NFL. I think you would have had offers from the NFL. But that was a unique opportunity. Another unique opportunity that is coming up is, you know, tomorrow I will be covering the XFL showcase in Orlando. I'm a little, I'm excited about it, but at the same token, I'm a little like, okay, what are we doing here? Because 
you know, I did see where the XFL and USFL have, you know, and props to the report that was done here about this, you know, the news on the merger by Mike Mitchell. And based on what the report says is that with this merger, there's like a 30 day kind of quiet period. So the USFL and the XFL really can't say much as far as what are some of the proposed changes or things that are on the table until the merger is kind of like finalized at that point. And the only people that know what's going to be some of the changes is, is Russ Brandon and basically the higher ups. So I definitely want to get some insight of what's really going on behind closed doors, but I don't know how much I'm going to get because of that. That, they, that came to light, you know, it, it just feel like with this showcase, unlike the other ones, they kind of advertised it and promoted it. I know that it's sold out, but they at least kind of promoted it a lot right before and during the showcase. This one, they promoted, the announcement came out, and now it's like you're not hearing much of anything or seeing much of anything on social media about it. In fact, when you went to their website, it was kind of like hard to find it. And so I'm a little perplexed as to what to expect. I'll be real with you. I know there's going to be a, a party there, a you know tailgate party. It's just also kind of unique because I'm like, okay, you're having a party, but the guys that are actually trying out here are trying out to make the team. So I don't know if you could really have a party and have a party function where somebody's buying to get a job. I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm going to find out tomorrow when I go there. Sometimes you just got to just show up in an opportunity, show up at a place and see what happens. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come in there with a clean slate, open mind, be really prepared, but I'm going to find out what's up. And I actually have a busy day tomorrow because right after I'm doing a tour days, just like the players, I have to be in Orlando at the XFL showcase. And then I have to kind of leave pretty much right on time and drive all the way to downtown Tampa, all the way across Nightman town to another County. It's just not easy to do at that time in Orlando with the traffic, but I got to get it done because I want to thank and give props to Gigi's playhouse in Tampa, DJ's blue and gold gala that I'm going to. And that is going to be an awesome event to help bring awareness down syndrome. It's not the first time I've done an event for them, but I am going to be a co-auctioneer. So um, it's all done for charity. I'm going to be doing that and helping out. And the great thing about this opportunity is that I will be kind of the co-auctioneer with Sean Daly from ABC Action News. So I'm looking forward to that. That's coming up tomorrow. be a busy, busy, busy day tomorrow. We're going to make it happen here on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. I definitely will give you guys insight on whatever I get. I'm hoping to get some fantastic sound bites from definitely from ownership, coaches, and the players, and fans. And I will bring that to you. And a lot more. So, 
we will see if mum's the word. We'll find out. And, you know, I did want to recap the Major League Baseball playoffs. And here the Rays did get eliminated in two games. They got swept out of the best of three. They lost two and they were out. But the big news was they struggled to sell out both home games. These were the wild card playoff games. And they drew around 19,000, which is far from selling out, which is over 30,000. I could seat there at the stadium. And this goes back to what I've, first and foremost, first and foremost, before I get into what I've been saying, this was kind of bad planning. I, I mean, I understand it. It's a wild card game. I understand that sometimes there is other games going on. But I I could just look at the time of the day and just could tell you that it was going to be hard to sell these tickets out. Let's look at the facts, folks. Each game was at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in St. Pete, which basically meant you had to call out of work and prepare for this to be there. Because I hadn't seen, like, my reminder went off on my phone that the the Rays have a game at 3 o'clock, the last game, the second game, the alert I got was like around 1040 in the morning. I said, believe it or not, if I was going to make this game at 3 o'clock, I should have already been like kind of ready and been ready to go out the door. And you might be like, why are you getting this so early? When you go from Tampa to St. Pete, that time during the day, there's a good potential you're going to hit with traffic. And not only that, if it's a playoff game at 3 o'clock, you kind of want to get there at least – you want to actually park, I would say, a good 50 minutes to an hour before the first pitch because there's usually certain activities that are happening before the first pitch and usually parking. You have to walk a long way to get to your seat. You know, it's, it's not as easy as you think. Not only the drive is tough, but when you park. And I knew that – the only people that's really going to be here is people that called off work or had the day off or something because three o'clock, if this game was at seven, I feel as if the tennis would have been far, far better. If this game was on a weekend, it probably would have been far better at three o'clock or four o'clock. But that three o'clock start time I knew was going to be a recipe for disaster. And it was. Because if you're there at 3 o'clock in St. Pete, you had to take the day off. You cannot leave work early. You had to take the day off. And the time of the day really hurt both games. Let me just call up what is. Having said that, what can they do to, to increase fans and solve attendance issues? Well, there's a couple things. Number one, the Rays, I hate to say it, might have a case of the Alan Alford hate sportscaster curse. Since they've been hating on me, not letting me in, the Rays have actually not have good karma. When you let the Alan Alford sportsbook show in, we bring you some great attention, great insight, and ask value-added questions, engaging questions. Look and do the research yourself. You will see that is one of the things that the Rays have going against them. 
The other thing, now that's something they can do something about. I'm going to try again next year to go ahead and get some access to the Rays games. Rumor has it, they want me to cover it full-fledged. I don't know if I'm there yet to do that, but some coverage is better than no coverage. And I've already feel as if I've already brought a dynamic that some of the media just don't have. Check out the interviews I've done on the Ebor City Baseball Museum. Having said that, the other thing that they can do to increase fans and solve attendance, unfortunately, that opportunity has been missed already. And that is they signed a deal, which, you know, congratulations getting a new stadium. The only issue is the new stadium is in St. Pete. I understand that they probably got funding and made things easier to get it signed in, in St. Pete than it would have been in Tampa. But because it is what it is in downtown St. Pete now, it's going to move to it's going to be hard to sell tickets. That's one of the issues that you had was that fans said it's tough to get over there. And it is, like I said, if you didn't, if I didn't leave at 1040, like took a quick shower, got ready, got in my car right away. I said, man, if, if I went and got lunch around the way and then drove out there, I probably would have got there 30 minutes later than I really wanted to. That's the thing. You should have considered moving to Tampa and Ebor. So that opportunity is missed. But the other opportunity about the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show is not. Usually when people diss Allen, things usually karma-wise don't work out well for them. Check the records. Having said that, I'm not bitter or mad. Let's just some coverage better than no coverage. Having said that, we're going to go ahead and shift gears and talk about boxing news. I'm going to do that for you in one second. I did want to give the Rays a round of applause before I move on to let them know that, hey, you know, you made it to the playoffs. It was a great run. The Rays have actually had a fantastic team for many, many years. It's unfortunate they don't get the support they do, but I've mentioned the solution. Props to the Rays and the season they have. Got to give the Rays some props. Having said that, I'm going to discuss some boxing news. And I'm going to talk about someone who definitely does not deserve some props. I'll get to that person in a second. But I'm going to give you a complete breakdown against Jamel Charlo versus Saul Canelo Alvarez fight. And I will just say this much. This was a poor performance on Jamel Charlo's behalf. Poor is an understatement. It was just very, very poor. I would say this much. I actually picked Jamel Charlo to win this fight in an improbable upset because I assumed he was going to do like he said and fight like a lion, which he did not. But more importantly, I thought he was he was not going to let he was going to. But once in life, let it not let his emotion get the best of him, which he did. He didn't let the emotion get the best of him. But the man, I thought for sure, was going to at least throw some punches. I thought at least he was going to throw some punches, throw his jab out, and then move. 
I didn't say stay in the ring and, and swing with him. I never said that. I said, throw some jabs. Use your distance to your advantage. When he gets in close, move. You know, fight him tall is what they would say. He didn't do that. Every punch was on the run. The man, I I would have to say, there's been two times I've seen in boxing where guys were flat out scared. Number one was Michael Spinks when he fought Mike Tyson. Michael Spinks, you can watch the tape yourself. It was over in the first round. Michael Spinks. Michael Spinks. Thank you for Michael Spinks wanted nothing to do with Michael Ty- with Mike Tyson. Absolutely nothing. He did not want a part of Mike at all. Charlotte was right there in that same neighborhood. He did not want a part of of Canelo. Not not at all. Like he was fighting scared. He was on his bike and his run. I was like, okay, man, you're running you're running too much. Like that's bad. Where he was moving too much. And I'm like, okay. Almost everybody said he had a poor performance. There was there was one analyst that I would have to respectfully decline you know, disagree with. They basically said, Okay, he's what do you expect? The guy was fighting somebody two weight class above him. Those punches really hurt. I get all that. And I still am saying it was a poor performance by Jamel Charlo. And why I say that is because Jamel Charlo knew this before getting in the ring with Canelo. Before he signed the contract, we all knew the guy was two weight class above yours. You can't use that excuse. You knew that. You should have got a couple of guys to spar with you that were bigger and stronger, come up with a good game plan, which would have been using your jab, hit and move. You know, I don't mean run and run and throw a punch. Stand in a circle, stand in a, you know in a pocket, throw some great combinations, use your jab, then move away using your jab. You understand? Make it make it a good fight. To me, Jamal Chawla ruined his reputation in his fight. Not only did he ruin his reputation in his fight, he should have, he probably is going to have the Lions protest against him. The Lions are going to probably get together and protest against him for using the name, image, and likeness of Lions the way he performed in his in this fight. That's how bad it was. The Lions are going to complain. Say, hey, man, you're giving us a bad rep. You know what? And they did. Because, look, as poor as Charlo did, somebody might actually get the impression because he says, I'm a lion, I'm a lion. Somebody might actually do like they did where that girl took a picture with that bison. Someone might get see a wild lion in the safari, put their arm around the, the lion and just take a selfie. Because like, oh, this is a little baby lion. This is, you know, it's no threat. Jamel Charles says lion he was no threat. The lions are going to complain. That's how bad my man did. Fighting scared. I love what Terrence Crawford said. I totally agree. Okay. To me, the interesting thing about this fight is that I don't feel as if money was the number one priority. I really, I mean, everybody wants to get paid. But I don't feel as if money was the number one priority to Charlotte. It wasn't like – I don't think it was a cash grab in a way. Like, yes, he got paid handsomely, but I think the number thing, one thing that motivated him was bragging and boasting to others that he was in the ring with 
Canelo and did not get knocked out. I feel like he wanted that clout to brag about that. That is not, okay, that's cool or what have you, but that is not why you should be fighting someone two divisions above you. It's just to say, yeah, I was in a ring with him and I didn't get knocked out. Okay. This is what Canelo should do as a favor for me for Charlotte. Do these three things and they're really not going to cost you anything. Number one, Go ahead and sign a pair of your gloves to Jamel Charlo. Number two, take a 16 by 20 by one of your social media team, print it out. Get a really nice 16 by 20 photograph of you. Sign that too and give that to Jamel Charlo. And last but not least, get in the ring and take a picture with Jamel Charlo. Because that's what it seemed like to me, that Jamel Charlo was like in awe and a big fan of Canelo and he just wanted his autograph, just wanted to be cool with him. He didn't come there to fight and win. And you as a person who are in a fight, you have a responsibility to protect your reputation that you are coming in there giving max effort. That was not max effort. You know what I'm saying? I understand you you didn't want to get wiped over the floor with him. Could have actually fought him, given him respect, but fought him like you wanted to win and would have done a lot better and would not have hurt your reputation. Now I can't blame Terrence Crawford for saying that you're not on his level because everybody after that fight would know for a fact that Terrence Crawford, you're not going to beat Terrence Crawford. You just threw his name out there for cloud chasing. You're not going to beat Terrence Bud. Crawford. It's not going to happen. I feel as if Charlo would get knocked out even quicker and would look even worse than Errol Spence. He would look even worse because I feel like Errol Spence Spence lacked giving Terrence Crawford I felt the credit he deserved and the respect he deserved. And I feel as if Errol has more skills than Jamel Charlo. So having said that, Errol's going to Terrence would, would just blow away Jamel Charlo. But I don't think Jamel Charlo is a man of his word. I don't think he's really going to entertain or get in a fight with Terrence Crawford. I don't. I really don't. I think he talks the talk but doesn't walk the walk. I think what Terrence Crawford should consider doing is fighting Tim Zhu to get one of the belts. And then with the pressure of you winning against Tim Zhu having a belt in the 154 division, I think that might pressure Jamel Charlo to actually fight you. I think right now without you having a belt in the 154 division, I think it's just fool's goal. I don't think Jamel Charlo, who's shown that his word is not bond anyway, I think he's not going to really be serious about giving Terrence Crawford a fight unless Terrence Crawford fights Tim Zhu. And I actually, I think Tim Zhu's a tough competitor. I know that Charlo doesn't really think that way. That's what he said in a couple of interviews. But I think, I think he would actually give Jamal Charlo a lot of run for his money. And that is Tim Zhu. Because I know that he's got heart. And me, I agree with the Lions. Charlo should just take out the word Lions Den. I'm a lion. He should not even use that verbiage any, anymore. Just take it off your vocabulary because you're not a lion 
I'll even say rest in peace to my cat, Sky. She was a three-legged cat that I didn't even notice her disability because she could swing that paw that one point she had with some real fiber. And I tell you, she had more spunk and attitude and fight than somebody quote, quote, call himself a lion. That's Jamel Charlo. Jamel Charlo, with all due respect, take that word lion out of your vocabulary. You are not a lion. I'm sorry. I agree with Terrence Crawford who said that. Completely agree with him. He said exactly what I was thinking. You showed Canelo too much fight like a baby cub. And who should each one of them fight next? Well, I think Canelo should fight somebody in the 168 division. I, I agree with Canelo. He probably shouldn't fight Terrence Crawford and Charlo. I know he's not going to keep his word, but if he really is serious about fighting Terrence Crawford, I would love to see that fight. I think Terrence is going to wipe the floor with him. But I do think Charlo's got to be careful because I think Tim Zhu will beat him too. I think I think Tim Zhu has a very good shot of winning that fight. I'll say that much. But Terrence Crawford should try to fight Tim Zhu or Charlo, which I don't think Charlo's going to go through. But take Tim Zhu. You know, I think that would be a very good match. Tim Zhu is a serious puncher. And I think that would be the best thing. And far as Charlo, I don't know who he should fight next because, to be real with you, you ruined your reputation. And that was an awful performance. So you may have hurt your own. You did a BOGO. Buy one, get one, not for free because you basically showed such a poor effort that it, Terrence Crawford don't even want to look your way anymore. That's how bad it was. But I would say... Canelo did his thing, and he showed why he's he's the man at that 168 division. And I'm curious to see if he does fight ben, Benavidez. I think Benavidez would have the advantage because I just think height and and reach. Let me explain this to you, folks. The taller guy fighting a shorter guy always will have an advantage because. The shorter guy is usually stockier and stronger, but he's not as tall and linky. That would mean he has to get inside to fight you. You're a taller fighter. You have an effective jab. You can move around. You're going to be able to keep the shorter guy off of you. You have an advantage. So I think Torrance should look at this, a wake-up call, and just, I will say this much. Bob Aaron is usually not wrong when it comes to prediction in most cases. And he said that he thinks Canelo would would beat Terrence Brad Crawford. And I will say this much. I don't think he was hating. I really don't. He didn't come across like he was being bitter or hating because of their history. Usually when Bob Aaron says something when it comes to boxing, he's usually right. And I think that could be a wake-up call for Terrence Crawford that Yes, you might be the better boxer than Canelo, but Canelo is used to fighting bigger guys. So your punches may not have an effect. And boy, if you land some punch on you, I, I know it's going to have some effect. So I don't know who Charlotte should fight next. I know that Terrence Crawford, if he fights him, is an automatic loss. Terrence Crawford should fight 
Tim Zhu, then fight Charlo. And that's what I'm thinking. And definitely what I'm thinking right now is some Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce. So delicious, so delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. Make sure you check out Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce. Get any one of the four great flavors. Classic, honey mustard, fusion, and heat wave. All can be purchased at flbbqsauce.com, flbbqsauce.com. Or you can go ahead and visit Chef G's right at 301 South 22nd Street in Tampa. Let them know that the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show sent you. I'm going to play Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce song by Sam Scola in Maine. I'm going to do that and come back right with you right after the Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce song. Thousand for variety, Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce, a natural flavor, Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce, Florida gold honey mustard on burgers and ribs, tasty fusion on pork and sausage, a classic Chicken steak tips, a hot heat wave on meatballs and ham. It's a cookout treat, Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce. Serve on fish and vegetables, Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce. Chef G's. Florida barbecue sauce, Chef G's, Florida barbecue sauce. Chef G's, Florida barbecue sauce, so delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. Thank you, Sam Scola. Definitely pick up that four-pack at flbbqsauce.com, flbbqsauce.com. So, yes, it's going to be a long day, so pray for me. I'm going to do my very best to give you guys a great insight at the XFL Showcase. Going to see how things go there, and definitely at Gigi's Playhouse. will be there as well in Tampa at Gigi's Blue and Gold Gala. It's going to be a great, great day. be fantastic. And definitely want to thank Sean Harper. You can check out our interview that we did. Sean Harper Speaks. And check it out. You know, former retired NFL player, motivational speaker, author, and business owners. And definitely check them out. You can check out that interview right on the YouTube page. Just type in Alan, A-L-A-N, Alford, A-L-F-O-R-D, right there at the YouTube. Please like comment and subscribe really appreciate port at the alan alford sports talk show you can also follow us here on alan alford and sports talk show on facebook and definitely wanted to thank the great listeners wanted to thank the great callers lou and diane for calling in today on the alan alford sports talk show I want to thank you guys for supporting our show being great supporters and listeners of the alan alford sports talk show 
Really appreciate you all. Be blessed. Be well. We're gonna gonna make sure we end the show on a great song again by Sam Scola. This is the end of the show of the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. Have a great and fantastic weekend. Thank you so much for listening on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show.